welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans for fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, Brewer fans, welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast. Uh, today, this is Craig and Vince coming at you. Uh, welcome, Brewer fans. How are you doing, Vince? I'm doing great, Craig. How's it going with you? It's great. Glad to welcome you back to this uh, to the Western Hemisphere. Um, I know you're <laughs> overseas, so welcome back. I'm glad you made it back safely. As while you were gone, the Brewers did absolutely nothing. Um, but just <laughs> as of yesterday, big news, and I think a little bit shocked all of us. Um, the Brewers signed their first big, uh, big free agent signing. I guess you could call it. Uh, by signing former Phillies first baseman Reese Hoskins to a two-year, $34 million deal. It does have an opt-out after the first season. I assume if he's healthy, he'll probably exercise that. But if he is healthy and productive, that means he's going to be a great contributor to the 2024 Milwaukee Brewers team. So um, what are your thoughts on the signing? I mean, I was really excited about it. I know that um, we talked a little bit before uh, our show here in our pre-production meeting and I, I'm really pumped. When you look at Hoskins' numbers, um, you know, going back to, I guess, his last healthy season in 2022, but certainly before that, he's a consistent uh, contributor. He's got power. He, he has gap power. Uh, he smashes lefties. Uh, I really like a lot of things about, about Hoskins. And he was definitely on the short list of guys that we had talked about, Craig, on one of our previous episodes um, earlier this offseason as guys that the Brewers should target. So, yeah, he was definitely on that list. I I had talked about him if we were going to go the free agency route and getting a guy like Pete Alonzo if we were going to go um, via trade. So, no, I, I'm really pumped about this move. I think the Brewers' uh, offense is a lot better today than it was yesterday here 24 hours ago prior to this signing. So, yeah, absolutely thrilled about the move. Uh, kudos to the organization for um, for making it. I'm glad that we're not retreating from, you know, trying to be competitive this year. I think that um, the contract is reasonable. Uh, two years, $34 million. I, I think that's about in the ballpark for what a guy like Hopkins is worth. Um, so I, I'm, I'm glad to see that the organization is making moves to make us still remain competitive and even improve uh, our position going into 2024. I, I think that the Brewers uh, are a better team today by a long shot after this signing. Yeah, I agree with, agree with much of that. Uh was surprised uh, by it because I know that the, the rumors uh, recently were that we we're most likely looking at the likes of Garrett Cooper uh, and uh, possibly even bringing back Carlos Santana. Again, not horrifically bad options, but Reese Hoskins is a couple of levels, in my opinion, up from them offensively. He's a 30-homer power bat, which I think we desperately needed, for, especially from the right side. He kills lefties. He's got some great postseason experience uh, just two seasons ago on the Phillies. He was unfortunately injured last year, but two, two seasons ago on the Phillies, I think he had six postseason home runs and was a key um, key reason why they went all the way to the World Series that year. They did uh, lose. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's got that great experience. He's a great clubhouse guy. And, and he's one of these, in my opinion, the, the biggest factor. I mean, I've heard that he's a great clubhouse guy. But just seeing um, – I got the feeling that he's like one of these uh, alpha male type guys that that are there to fire up the clubhouse or whatever. And and uh, even though we love the Christian Yelchers of the world, he doesn't necessarily have that same personality. He's more of like laid back, at least, you know, and we don't really know what he's like behind the scenes. But 
Uh, I really think Reese Hoskins is going to be a huge uh, difference on the team overall. Very similar to Willie Adamas when he came. And especially to the younger guys, I mean, Reese Hoskins is only 30 years old himself, but especially to the younger guys, um, we have a lot of young outfielders. And, you know, obviously Jackson Trio is going to make his uh, major league debut this year, much anticipated. And we've got Sal Freelich, um, Garrett Mitchell, for Bryce Trang, all uh, young hitters, uh, and Joey Weimer, all definitely young hitters that are are going to be a big part of the 2024 Brewers. I think bringing a veteran like that, um, and again, at 30 years old, he's just still at the at the far end of his prime. So I think he can come up with a great season. Uh, I think in something like, I think I read that in, uh, uh, he's got like five career home runs um, at Miller Park in less than like 10 games or something like that. So or I mean, sorry, an AmFam field, his AmFam field history. Uh, so apparently he likes hitting hitting there as well. So there's a lot of good positives toward this. Um, yeah, I guess the other thing I'll point out is sometimes injuries, I really feel that if he was not injured uh, last season uh, for the Phillies, and he, um, he probably would not be a Milwaukee Brewer right now. He, he probably would have commanded as free agent uh, at least like a five-year deal, I'm guessing, and the Brewers would have probably been sitting on the sidelines. Right? So this is one of those things where um, he seems just like a perfect match because, as we know, our ownership's not really keen in handing out, you know, four, five, six-year contracts necessarily to um, to free agents necessarily. Obviously, they did to Christian Yelich and, uh, and then some and also to Jackson Trio. But if you're not a franchise type player, they don't deem you as such. I don't think they're willing to just uh, dole out those kind of contracts. And so we're always looking for the yeah. bargains, it seems. And uh, even though Reese Hos- uh, Hoskins is making going to make six or seventeen million a year, which is significant, it's on a short term deal, which I think was very very attractive to Milwaukee Brewers ownership. If you, uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on? Yeah, that? I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's true. And, you know, we should point out that Hopkins didn't play his way out of Philadelphia by any stretch. He, he got injured, and they, they have a lot of good hitters, and they had to fly Bryce Harper somewhere, and Bryce Harper is now the first baseman in Philadelphia. So you're talking about literally a, a cornerstone for their franchise. So it wasn't like Hopkins was, you know, out, outgunned or overshadowed by anybody in Philadelphia. It was just kind of bad luck and, and good timing for the Brewers, uh, you know, in, in my opinion. We also um, – I am getting a note here, uh, Craig, from – our intern uh just looking at some of the numbers for hoskins in milwaukee he has a 342 405 790 slash line uh with five home runs and eight rbis in nine games uh at ampam field so pretty pretty impressive and, and thanks to scotty's intern uh scarlet for for passing along this note here but um yeah that's some pretty impressive hitting uh, already for hoskins uh, at miller park hopefully that continues and of course, beware of the small sample size and that, but that's still pretty exciting. And yeah. again, this is a guy that, uh, even as a power hitter, like, uh, yeah, he obviously strikes out a lot. He's probably only going to hit about 250, but uh, just a couple of seasons ago in 2009, he, he walked 116 times, which I believe would be a Brewers franchise record, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think, I think Prince might own the, the, the current record, just over 100 or so. If I'm and again, I'm just going off memory. I'm sure if you could put Scott's interns on that, since Scott himself is pretty. Yeah, is Scotty on by the way? Is Scott or Chad on the show here today? I thought they were coming on. No, I, they're probably busy doing other things. I assume. Um, they're yeah. So um, 
But so, no, I mean, this is the type of signing. I mean, if you really look at it, Prince Fielder was last season as Milwaukee Road, it's 2011. And since then, there's been a dozen seasons. And uh, we've been just cycling through the bargain bin when it comes to corner infielder, especially first baseman. And I could list them all off. I think we've done that at previous Ruby podcast, and we don't need to go yeah. down that road again. Yeah. But I mean, some of them are very likable, don't get me wrong. But there's, he's been the most talented person uh, that we've signed to play first base since Prince Fielder. So that's that in and of itself is very exciting. I think if he's healthy, you can pretty much mark him down for 30-plus home runs. Um, and that's what I think we sorely need in this lineup. Uh, so basically, it's to sign a free agent on a two-year, really probably one-year contract and pencil him immediately in your number four spot in your lineup is pretty exciting. And I think he really balances out the lineup well, obviously with Yelich and Freelick and Mitchell and all left-handers and Trang as well. Like uh, we really, um, yeah, we really, um, I, I think it's it's a definitely a good thing that a right-handed power hitting back is exactly what the doctor ordered and very exciting. And, and again, if you, got, if you guys want to look up on YouTube, the footage that he had, on, he had a huge monstrous home run against Spencer Strider in the NLCS couple of seasons ago yeah, where he did like an my brother was at that game spike. my brother joe was at that game craig that was pretty awesome he said really pretty magical moment yeah oh wow that's cool in philadelphia right yeah so yeah i was in philadelphia yeah he was out there for uh for some military training uh nearby and um that was an off day for him so he went out to the game by himself and had a great time and um, was actually at that game i was watching on tv and he was there in person yeah, and again, when the offseason started, Reese Hoskins was a name that we, we definitely had our eye on as Burr fans, but for some reason, I just felt like it was a little bit of a mini pipe dream just because we hadn't signed some of his caliber. And even though with the injury, I, I was sure he wasn't going to be a long-term contract, so I thought he, because of that, we could be candidates, but I really thought that he'd be attractive to other teams for that very same reason. They're more willing to open up their checkbook when it's time to add a big power bat. And I'm almost a little bit shocked. In fact, there were some rumors that he was probably he would be a good fit for the Chicago Cubs. So the fact that we were able to sign him and that they did not is pretty yeah. exciting, if you ask me. So, yeah, me me too. I you know this kind of reminds me a little bit going back to 2012, the Aramis Ramirez signing. You know, getting a power bat, an established guy to play in a corner position. To me, that that's kind of the most uh, applicable you know previous example of the Brewers doing something like this. Um, so yeah, it's pretty exciting, and that actually stabilized third base for a number of years. I know that we've got Hoskins for either one or two years uh, as the deal is currently constituted, but um, you know, hopefully we can hopefully we can play well this year, and who knows what will happen in the future? Maybe we will extend them at some point, and and if nothing else, we've got a great you know first baseman for 2024. Yeah, and, and it's always one of those things where when you sign someone on a short term deal like that, that. Um, you know, he really takes a liking to the clubhouse, to the city, to whatever, and vice yeah. versa. The ownership could take a great liking to him, yeah. and we could open up, you know, give him what he wants, free agency going forward. So, again, I always like bringing in, you know, and the Brewers barely are, and you know, have the opportunity to do such thing to bring in someone that they can, can possibly sign to a longer term deal, um, just to kind of get them in house, so to speak. I know that. Uh, really good franchises like the New York Yankees do that all the time. In fact, I think that's what they probably did this year with Juan Soto by acquiring them. And uh, and, and yeah, Cardinals so have done that a number of times too. And it's it's also led to the Cardinals signing guys to long term deals. I think that that's what they did with Goldschmidt and Arenado both. 
if I yeah, recall correctly. Exactly. It's a good strategy, and I'm not saying that's a strategy here necessarily, but I just like having some of his quality in for this year. And I think more than anything, and this has got to be exciting to Burr fans, especially uh, I would say you, Vince, is I think you had pointed out last year when I was this point that we weren't pushing all our cards in the middle of the table and really making a run for it uh, yep. when we had our, our big three aces still in place. We didn't know Woody would be injured at that time, of course. But your thoughts were that, you know, the Brewers could still go for it this year and not necessarily trade Burns and, or Adamas uh, or whatever during the offseason and still kind of make one more push for a deep uh, postseason run this year. And I was a little bit skeptical on that because, uh, but apparently now it really, this signing, in my opinion, signals the fact that we're planning on kind of doing that, just that, or at least making the appearance of doing so going into the 2024 season. I think we're strong contenders to still win the NL Central, but it gives the organization an out. Like if we're somehow not in contention in any way, come all-star break that we could still flip these guys and then restock our farm system. Yeah. So, I mean, it's to me, yeah, we're, it we're scenario, that was, I'm sorry to interrupt Craig, but yeah, I, I totally agree that that was my approach. And I think that, um, I think that it's a wise one. Obviously I'm biased because uh, it's what I've been thinking for a while, but I do think that it, it does keep our options open. And if nothing else, the brewers like to be flexible with their options. So I do think that this allows us to, you know, go into 2024. We're excited as fans, uh, clearly more excited today than we were yesterday. Uh, prior to this signing, and I think that the Brewers are the, still the best team in the National League Central. I think that the Cubs have gotten worse um, by losing Stroman and by not resigning Bellinger yet, and they still could. But I do think the Brewers are, are still the class of the division until proven otherwise. And, um, you know, I, I, I like our chances for this year. And worst-case scenario, if it doesn't go as expected, the Brewers still can trade Burns at the deadline. If he's not injured, we can still trade Hoskins, if we had to at the deadline, we can still trade Adamas at the deadline if we had to. So um, I think that, you know, again, the financial outlay isn't such that we're burdened by a long-term contract. Uh, so there's a lot of reasons to really like the signing. And I, I, I'm very pumped uh, at, at the way that this got done and that the Brewers were creatively looking for options to be both good for 2024 and still not uh, be impinged with a bad long-term contract. Um, if it were to go south, and if we were going to, you know, go for a, a slightly – modified rebuild uh, following this season. So I, I do like it from a number of perspectives. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I think he's one of the best creators we've signed in quite some time. Um, and so probably I'm going to say all, all the way back to Lorenzo Kane. I think he's pretty much the best free agent we've signed since that signing, uh, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. And, and yeah. so, yeah, it's. And, 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 it's, and without that long-term commitment either, Craig, I mean, I love Lorenzo Cain as much as anybody else, but by the end of that contract, that was a five-year deal. And by the end of the contract, we were paying Cain not to play for us uh, the second half of 2022, as, as Brewer fans might remember. You know, we, and that was sort of expected at the front end of that deal. When we signed him, it was, you know, we're, we were expecting three good years, which is pretty much what we got with the aberration of the COVID year uh, in 2020, unfortunately. But I do think that, um, you know, the, the, the good thing about this move is that the Brewers are not hamstrung necessarily by uh, a long-term deal. And, and if it does blossom into something down the road, it, it still could. Um, as you pointed out, Hoskins is only 30 years old. So there, there's a lot of upside, you know, from a number of angles on this thing. And we should point out that uh, last year during spring training, Hoskins actually did, and it sucks, toward the end of uh, spring training, actually did uh, tear his ACL and his left knee. I myself have had ACL surgery on my right knee. I will say that um, I was never the same. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that 
I think for, for a baseball player that plays <laughs> a position. About that. What's that? I, I forgot that you did that. Wasn't it, weren't you like running out of a bar or something? I mean, and then you twisted your knee or fell in the ice or what was the story with that? I forgot. I sure. No, believe it or not, I was, I was in actually in an indoor flag football league uh, with, with one of my oh. coworkers at the time out in Brookfield, actually. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I made a cut playing defense uh, laterally, apparently on artificial turf. And uh, yeah, my knee gave out. So, um, but yeah, God, dang. Recovery... I, yeah, I thought it involved our sponsor, Benno's um, in West Dallas, but okay. Sorry, Craig. I recovered from most of those injuries actually fairly quickly, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, the, um, I, I do know that he, sh- the risk, uh, you know, especially as a first baseman uh, is minimal here. I, I don't think the injury is going to hold him back. He should be fully recovered. I mean, by the time the, the year starts, the season starts, he'll be a full year uh, since his ACL tear and surgery. So I think that he he will should be a back to 100%. Um, obviously, he, there's some risk involved with the signing. I mean, he could have a down year and not even be, you know, show that he's worth $17 million for next year. And there, therefore, likely he won't opt out. But I think, again, he could bounce back next year, uh, you know, even under contract. So, I think I think it's it really it's almost a no brainer of a contract signing for the Brewers. The fact that he was willing to sign with us, um, I think, was more of an opportunity than anything else. Um, and again, I, I think it's it's going to be turn out to be a really good fit. Um, and so I'm really yeah. excited about it. Like I haven't I haven't been this excited about the free agent signing probably since uh, for like five years or, or more. So that's it's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I guess what and we were mean? able to get a little bit of the background from our anonymous source, Tom Carter, Craig, if you want to get into some of that, I know that um, our anonymous source, Tom mentioned that this kind of came together a little quickly. It was a lot of behind the scenes stuff. What did you hear from our anonymous source, Tom Carter? Um, we'll just say it's uh, TC. If you could just go with that from now on uh, that way. In fact, we don't even have to, he said, just go ahead and use the information. You don't have to say where he got it from, give him any type of credit whatsoever. He, in fact, he says, please stop doing that. Um, so, so we should take that in, uh, to heart, I guess going forward, but, um, but no, I mean, Reese, I think is a, pretty excited to be a Milwaukee Brewer. I think that he feels that he's going to have a great season. He most likely would look to opt out if he does have a great season, but like I said, maybe it would lead to talks for a longer term contract, uh, with the team. And again, I think Mark. Antonacio is smart enough that if he's having a great year come August and we're still in playoff contention, why not pull him to the side and be like, hey, how about we ex- give you an extension of like three or four years? Because in reality, if you look down our pipeline, we don't really have any other first base prospects on the way or anything like that. Um, most people speculate with all of our young outfielders if we if they do stay on the team, that most likely at some point, uh, Christian Yelich possibly would get moved to first base. In fact, um, he, uh, you know, played for some first base for the Marlins early in his career, even. Um, but with that being said, I, I really think that he would be a great fit long-term, obviously with the DH, there's more flexibility, uh, for getting guys bats in the lineup. And I, I do think that, uh, now the next, the next question is we really need to make this offense as best we can for this year. And I still feel like we have kind of a hole at third base. At this point, the speculation has been that maybe we'll give third base to kind of a soft platoon of Tyler Black and Andrew Monasterio. I feel like that could be upgraded in some fashion, but maybe that's the way we got to go now. Well, what are your thoughts on what the Brewers should do for third base for 20? I'm actually all in for Tyler Black at this point, Craig. I, I know that, you know, there's been a lot of speculation about guys wanting to sign Matt Chapman. Um, I, I, 
am not as excited about a Chapman move. It's not that I dislike him. I just think that Tyler Black has got a huge upside. I'd like to see what he can do. Um, so I, I don't want it to be a platoon situation either, to be honest. I want Monasterio to be a utility infielder. I think his value comes in playing multiple positions. He can sub in at short for Adamas. He can sub in at second for Terang. I, Monasterio, I think, even played outfield for a few games last year. Um, so I like that, that he's a utility guy and, and Monasterio was an incredibly valuable part of the team last year. Um, but I just don't think he's a starting third baseman. So I, I think that again, you'll get the most value out of him as a utility guy, give the starting third base job to, to Tyler Black, see what he can do with it. Uh, I am in favor though, of signing some more infield depth. I think that you could probably sign a guy like Whit Merrifield on the cheap a little bit. Um, maybe even have terrain then be your backup second baseman and shortstop, um, and then if we do end up trading Willie, uh, he's obviously the starting shortstop under that scenario. But, um, you know, I, I think that it would just give you some flexibility, another another bat that you can plug into the infield. So I, I if I had my way, I would probably get uh, Whit Merrifield as, as my next pickup rather than a distinct third baseman. And then I would let Tyler Black start. Okay. Yeah, I do like the idea of Terrain getting a full-time shot with his uh, defensive prowess and his bat's on lap this year. I think that it's pretty clear that he's most likely our heir apparent at shortstop, but kind of under the assumption that we're not going to retain Willie Domus beyond this year. Um, not saying that that's not a possibility, but I, it just feels like that's the way that it's most likely going to play out. Uh, so with that being said, I, I, I'd like to see him get his main major league at bats this year, if he is going to be with the club. Uh, and, um, but yeah, uh, obviously in, I think we adding one more bat in some fashion would be really good. And maybe it's via trade. Like it, I think it makes perfect sense to, consider you know trading from our minor league depth uh because at this point the cool thing about all this is that in spite of us contending for basically the last six seasons plus um the brewers have maintained a really strong minor league uh farm system in fact their farm system made big strides last year and moved from i think the bottom half of the league all the way into pretty consensus a top 10 farm system going into 2024 and part of the reason of yeah. that is because the brewers have not you know gone for it and given up a lot of good prospects at deadline trades like we've all all as fans have wanted them to do but the offshoot of that is that we still have a really strong minor league system and then i think that we can if uh, you know i think they should look to dip into that but it also is probably the reason why they're comfortable not trading Burns or Damas right now and making it a run at because I don't think that they necessarily feel that they are like other small market teams and entering a rebuild, so to speak, that they're in need and their farms is not in desperate need of being restocked by trading those guys. So I think that's that's pretty cool that that, that they've set themselves up that way. Obviously, if you've heard, heard our podcast in the past, I, that's not what we were clamoring for. We will have wanted some deeper postseason runs with some better quality. That's yeah. brought in, but uh, it is what it is now. And I think that we're set up pretty well for 2024 with a lot of different options on which way to go and who to trade and what to do. But um, it wouldn't surprise me now that the next move the Brewers make is to probably add some more stirring pitching depth. Obviously, we lost. We're down Woodruff. Uh, we're down yeah. Adrian Hauser. Um, obviously, Wade Miley, Colin Ray are coming back along with Peralta and Burns. Um, and we've got Robert Gasser about ready for major league innings. But um, I, I really feel that we need some more depth there. And it wouldn't be surprising if we brought in someone else. Obviously, Joe Ross is part of the equation right now, too. But I, I think we really need some more quality starting pitching depth. And maybe it is bringing back someone like uh, like uh, 
Brandon Woodruff so he could help us out later in the season or whatever. But I, I don't know that that's, that's kind of a pipe dream. I think we need some more depth right from the get-go. And so there's a bunch of starting pitcher names still on the market. We could possibly trade for someone, but I'm not super comfortable going into 2024 season with our current yeah. starting rotation. I'll put it that way. I, I totally agree with that assessment, Craig. I, I have gone on record here on this podcast and just in our conversations um, in pre-production meetings and whatnot as, as wanting to bring back Woodruff on a two-year deal, but that's not really a 2024 move. That's a 2025 move and a maybe 2024 move. And my, my thinking on that is, is that you bring back Woodruff now, you get him cheaper on that second year. You still are, you know, you're still possibly going to be able to use him in the second half. And, you know, he could be back in July. He could be back in August. And he, he I think, has a much better likelihood of coming back in the postseason. Um, so that, I think, is a worthwhile risk as well. Uh, obviously, there's a relationship history there. There was uh, an expression of interest from Woodruff as to a scenario like that. So my, my thinking on that is that you sign Woodruff and you go out and get somebody else. I I, I don't know exactly who was available on the trade uh, market. I was, you know, pretty disappointed to see that the Yankees were able to pick up Marcus Stroman. I'm a big, big proponent of Marcus Stroman. I, I would have loved to see him on this team. That being said, that's no longer an option. Um, I would guess that in our budget, a guy like Jordan Montgomery is probably the best available. I don't know. He made 10 million, I think, or so last year. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I, I'd yeah, be he had to... a pretty good year for the Rangers, uh, obviously propelling them uh, yeah. in a World Series win. So I, I think his payday is coming. I think he's going to be given a longer contract that the Brewers are willing to kind of dish out. So unfortunately, I'm not yeah. counting on him. But the, a couple of names, I think I threw out Michael Lorenzen as a, as a possible option. I think that he's probably fits our budget of probably a short-term deal at roughly about $10 million a year. But uh, again, he's got plenty of issues himself. Um, another, if we're looking for... a well, you we look at who's going to be this year's Julio Tehran because we always seem to sign like a pretty older, uh, you know, passes prime vet. Uh, you, you know, obviously, I'm not sure what Zach Granke's plans are. Maybe he's planning on retiring, but I think the ship is probably sailed on him, along with guys like Madison Bumgarner might be just completely done. Um, one name that kind of intrigues me because I've heard he's such right, a... We're not going to get Madison Bumgarner. He's not going to be a brewer. I'm sorry. I know that. Absolutely. Uh, but one guy that kind of intrigues me that's still out there, I'll just throw it out, is uh, Johnny Cueto. Unfortunately, he's going to be 38. Uh, oh. He's had some down years. But I, but I've heard, and again, this is just for depth, you know, but I've, I've heard that he's a great clubhouse guy and he's a great mentor to younger pitchers. And I feel with such a young uh, rotation, even our, you know, our top guys like Freddie Peralta are still somewhat green. I mean, those aren't KG vets or anything like that, even Burns. Uh, so I, I just think that this rotation, obviously Wade, Wade Miley probably definitely qualifies as a KG old vet, but uh, adding someone like him, I, I think would, would, would be wise. Uh, and, and not necessarily him, but someone similar to that, where we just need some more depth. I'm not expecting us to, you know, land a quality, quality arm uh, with a multi-year contract uh, at this point. I'm probably going to be some, someone like Cueto on a one-year deal. So there's not too many names left out there. I mean, there, there's other guys that have just major uh, injury concerns that I'd probably steer away from, like, uh, Ryu, the former Blue Jay and Dodger pitcher, obviously is almost perennially injured. Um, and then, you know, Mike Clevenger, again, I think he's got too many issues. Um, and then there's, you know, there's not much left really out there. Corey Kluber, I think, is well past his prime as he's coming up on 38 too. Uh, but it wouldn't be surprising if someone along the lines of, you know, you know Kluber or Cueto. I uh, definitely don't want a mid-40s guy like Rich Hill 
<laughs> but yeah, so it's getting pretty, you know, we'll see what we'll see what we come about. But I, I really feel, uh, you know, especially with the uncertainty of like, you know, Gasser and uh, Ashby, I think would be a huge part of this rotation once he's healthy. And maybe he will be right from the get go. But I still just think we need the depth because there's too many unknowns. So we'll see what the Brewers uh, can drum up. I hope that there's a, a pitching signing fairly soon because I think pitchers and catchers report in just a couple of weeks, which is exciting. It is exciting. Johnny Cueto, um, again, Scotty's interns handing me some notes here. Johnny Cueto had a rough one last year. One and four record, uh, only pitched in 13 games, posted an ERA over six, 6.02 and 52 in the third inning. So, yeah, he had a he had a rough one. Um, prior to that, though, 2022 and 25 games, he had a 3.35 ERA. So, you know, a little bit better. Uh, he hasn't – that was his best ERA, though, in a number of years. Uh, 2018 um, was, the, was the only other time in the past – five or six seasons that he's posted in the ERA uh, south of 4.08. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. So again, it could be anyone that's just someone I, I, I've, I, I thought I just think highly of, but I mean, you know, I'm obviously not running the Milwaukee Brewers, but speaking of running the Milwaukee Brewers, you know, we've been run by former Tampa Bay or T- uh, Tampa Ray front office guys and David Stearns and Matt Arnold for the better part of the last 10, 10 years or whatever. And all I have to say is their philosophy, and, and it was known if you looked how they ran the Rays before this, they they never put too much of stock and value in this corner infielder. They were like, oh, well, they're kind of a diamond dozen. There's plenty of those floating around free agency. You can just grab one, whatever. Uh, but I think that was kind of a mistake, and I really feel that the, if you look at last year's draft, where they drafted a bunch of third basemen, including Brock Wilkin in the first round, and, uh, and what they've done now by signing Reese Hoskins, I think they finally realized that, you know, you need some offensive production, especially in the power department from those corner field spots. It's great to have all this athleticism and, and, you know, other skills all over the rest of the diamond, but you can't just punt those positions and still have a quality offense. And the Brewers, even though they've been contending all these years with an unbelievable pitching staff, especially their bullpen and their top starters, they've just, the, the run production, a consistent offensive production has just been lacking for many, many years. And it just sucks because I, I feel that, um, you know, if they would have had a even above average offense any of the last few years, they could have really made a serious run all the way to the World Series. Unfortunately, it just did not happen. So I'm really pretty excited about this year's offense more so than any offense probably since 2018. So um, yeah, we shall see. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and you know, when the Brewers are contending midseason, when you know looking back at it, 2018, the Brewers got Mustakas. Uh, at the deadline, you know, there's always a chance that the Brewers will add, you know, again, at the deadline. I don't want to get our hopes up. Our, our deadline approach has been awful since then. But, you know, maybe that maybe there's been a little bit of wiggle room now given by ownership to go out and actually be a little bit more aggressive. Um, I will say I'm a lot more optimistic <laughs> after yesterday uh, than I was two days ago. So I, I'm pretty excited about where things stand going into the year. And it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, we're so many great outfielders, uh, young outfielders. And with Christian Yelich not likely to move anytime soon, um, it really seems like a prospect for a prospect trade might make a lot of sense too. If we were to want to move like Joey Weimer for someone else's third base prospect or something like that, you know, those trades very rarely happen, but you know, I, I think the Brewers should yeah. consider, consider it to help out the 2024 team and beyond. Cause I, I don't see a future third baseman that's anywhere near ready. I think if you're looking five plus years from now, Brock Wilkin, about, Brock Wilkin hopefully Black? would be that guy, but. And, well, what, Tyler what, what Black. About, 
Tyler Black was just ranked by uh, one of the MLB Pipeline reports as being the top five third base prospect in all baseball um, for sure. So, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty stoked about Tyler Black. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, no. And, and I think his bat will even play better at second base. That's why. And again, I don't really know how this is all going to play out. But my guess is that the 2025 Brewers will feature Bryce Trang at shortstop and Tyler Black at second. Uh, who and we won't know who's at first and third <laughs> uh, going into next year, just like this, like always. But uh, I could be wrong on that. Uh, you know, Tyler Black could solidify himself as a third baseman, and he can play there, but he can also play second. His bat plays up even more at that position, obviously. So, um, yeah, we'll see what the Brewers have in mind uh, for any of these guys. And, and it's also nice, again, not to just brush them to the side or under the rug, but Andrew Monasterio definitely earned his, a role on the 2024 team with his play last Definitely. year. And uh, so it's always nice to have him as a, as a backup option and, and kind of a super utility infielder. So excited to still have him on the team as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, nothing that I said before was to denigrate Monasterio whatsoever. It was just to say that I think that his best role is in that utility position. It's a, it's a role that not many guys can actually fulfill. So when you find a guy that can do it, um, there's a ton of value in that to me. So that's, that, that was kind of my thinking on that. Yep, absolutely. And I still, and we'll talk about this as we finish up. It's been a very cold stove season up until yesterday, and now the stove feels all of a sudden very hot. And now that with only a couple of weeks uh, to pitchers and catchers reporting, or less than a month here, it's pretty exciting uh, to get fired up about baseball um, at this point. And uh, I don't know, uh, if you're a fan of the Milwaukee Brewers, you've got to be excited by the signing, and uh, we obviously are. So um, welcome, Reese yeah, Hoskins. That- yeah, also and big. Craig, there was one other one other quick quick news item I wanted to bring up. I don't know if you saw this report yesterday um, that was reported. I think it was by Robert Murray, one of our colleagues. Um, but he mentioned the Brewers were all in on a role this Chapman, um, which surprised me a little bit. Um, Chapman ended up signing with the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm not sure what it was that they offered that the Brewers could not, but um, but apparently the Brewers were in on him. Now, what's interesting about that to me is that the Brewers are. Uh, apparently looking at left-handed relievers um, you know Chapman comes with his own issues uh, obviously on a personal level and kind of glad he's not wearing a Milwaukee Brewers uniform uh, at least for my money but um, I do think it's interesting that the Brewers are, are kind of kicking the tires at least on some left-handed relievers to, to pair with Hobie Milner we saw the team acquire Andrew Chafin last year um, his time in Milwaukee was cut short probably just because of his performance issues after after being acquired uh, by Milwaukee, but it is interesting that the team still apparently thinks that we are in need of a left-handed reliever as well. So that may be another area to look for in the next couple of weeks that the Brewers may be wanting to upgrade going into the season. Uh, that makes perfect sense, and I, I agree with you. Like, I don't know if we were a great fit for Chapman. I was kind of shocked and surprised they signed a one-year deal with the Pirates. And no offense to the Pirates, but well, I don't know just, why, why he'd want to sign there. Cause... Deadline chips. That's why I signed with Kansas City last year. They'll trade him to whoever wins the World Series, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so I mean, I guess it's smart for the Pirates to have him in-house, and then basically it's like a free prospect trade or something like that. But, um, yeah, anyway, yeah, so maybe they'll, maybe they'll trade him to the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> But again, well, hey, you never know that that could happen. That could happen. So maybe we don't want to denigrate him too much. But yeah, if if his track record is anything, I think that he got traded uh, by the Yankees to the Cubs in 2016, right before they won their 
you know, whatever world championship. Yeah. I know that he played with the Rangers when the Rangers won it. So it's happened a couple of times during his career. So it is kind of interesting and, and sort of funny. Um, I think he was traded to the Yankees down the stretch by the Reds as well originally and um, had resigned back there with him with them as well. But um, not during the world championship year, obviously, but just another season. But it's kind of it's kind of interesting looking at Chapman's track record. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, Holby Miller being our only lefty currently slated for the bullpen. I mean, you got to look at depth there too, at least. And maybe that the Hudson guy we got from uh, the Dodgers is probably our triple A depth for our left-hander in case there's an injury to Milner. You can't have a major league right. bullpen in my opinion, without at least one left-hander. And I, I, I think you actually need two or three of them to be quite honest. And I, I just don't feel like the Brewers have had that. It seems like they've been fine having one or two, uh, at best for better part of the last uh, decade or whatever. And I, I'm, I like more lefties than that in my bullpen, but um, yeah. So it wouldn't shock me that we're probably in the market for another lefty. Um, and hopefully, you know, he's, they were kicking the can on like Zach Britton last year uh, for depth and he, he was injured himself. So hopefully they look for a healthy left-hander uh, with some major league experience. And even though everyone loved, uh, Andrew Schaefer in a Milwaukee Brewers uniform. Uh, he did not perform well for the team, so I didn't expect us targeting him once again. But, again, could be an option. But uh, there's some other lefties out there, obviously, in the reliever market. I, I would be shocked if they didn't sign one more lefty reliever. Uh, and in my opinion, they could probably add another right-handed reliever to beef out the bullpen as well. So we'll, we'll see going forward. So. All right. Yeah, well, well I think more than anything, I think more than anything, it's just exciting that the Brewers are actually actively doing things again. It, you know, it's been a, as you pointed out, a very cold, long, <laughs> slow offseason, with the exception of losing our manager. We pretty much haven't done anything else, and so this is this has been exciting to see that there is uh, that there are some signs of life uh, apparently in the Brewers front office. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty pretty excited about the fact that uh, as much as I'm excited about him, that Eric Haas is not going to be our big offseason acquisition. Yeah, exactly. Even though, yeah, welcome to the team, Eric. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, respect, respectfully. <laughs> now, we should talk about it. It hasn't been just a cold uh, stove offseason for just the Milwaukee Brewers. It seems like it's like a trend around baseball where a lot of these dominoes have not been falling. I know Josh Hader just signed with the Houston Nationals last week, but uh, for five years, $95 million. But overall, it's just been kind of a cold offseason. Uh, and I think that the reason for that is because of the whole Diamonds uh, sports thing where a lot of people's long-term TV stuff is kind of up in the air. I know Amazon Prime has stepped forward and has been borrowing the money or something. I don't know exactly all the specifics of that, but most likely uh, once that stabilizes itself, maybe some more signings will happen. But I think this whole off season is going to be uh, because that, that, you know, that instability is going to be, you know, I, I think that this is not the best year to be out there as a free agent. I'll just put it that way. So the Brewers probably can maybe get some more bargains here toward the end of the season. And that's where we shine. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, let's, see, let's see how it plays out. Yeah, that, that sounds great. Um, that's one of the things that kind of, you know, I was thinking about the Maryfield situation, just, you know, adding a quality bat this late in the off season for a relatively cheap price. I, I think he would just be a good, addition to our infield mix and that that was kind of my thinking on that but um we'll see yeah well we've definitely got a few areas uh that we could stand to improve on i i do think we need some more starting pitching depth as we discussed probably another bullpen arm um so yeah it hopefully it will be a an eventful and interesting couple of weeks here you know prior to going into spring training 
And one more interesting thing to point out, a little tidbit before we leave you, Brewer fans uh, and Brewer Curview fans, is that before this Hoskins signing, the Brewers 2024 starting lineup featured as many or was set to feature as many starting players over the age of 30 as there were under the age of 20, uh, being Jackson Trio, who's not yet wow. 20, uh, assuming he's going to start at the major league level. And Christian Yelich was the only player over the age of 30 at 32 years old uh, for the Brewers in their starting line, which is still exciting, uh, you know, to have such a young team, especially a lot of them is just entering their prime or yet to hit it. Um, but signing someone like Hoskins, who's going to enter the season at the age of 30, I think was a was a big move for for many reasons uh, for a young team. And I think he's a, he's a perfect fit and we shall see. Yeah, that that sounds great, Craig. Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. It's kind of a weird mix, but then again, it always is in Milwaukee. It seems like, and uh, my guess is that Christian Yelich is probably going to be the DH to start the year. Uh, speaking of Christian Yelich, uh, that was just another thing that uh, I, I know we were talking a little bit about previously. But um, yeah, it, it's 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 good to see this this mix hopefully coming together. I think that Hopkins is definitely a, a good ingredient for that. So very, very pumped up today. And, and hopefully we're going to continue to be pumped up here in the next couple of weeks as we head into spring training. Awesome. Well, thanks for tuning in uh, Brewer fans and stay classy, Scott Bartell and go Brewers. Yeah. Stay classy, Wisconsin, go Brewers. Do, 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 do.